We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, how conservatives get the issue of human identity wrong, love wrong, acceptance and affirmation wrong, and how this is all tied into drinking the Kool-Aid and buying the lie of sexual fluidity. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. On today's show, I'm going to talk about how conservatives get the issue of love and human identity wrong almost every time. I'm going to talk about Megyn Kelly. I'm going to talk about a couple other conservatives who have challenged me on a recent post with regard to Andrew Como's daughter coming out and saying that she is a demisexual. Demisexual, another term to describe human identity based on one's sexual proclivities. That's the topic of today's show. I'm going to share a couple quotes with regard to responses that I received in social media as the result of basically saying this to that story, that news story with regard to Andrew Como's daughter. Well, if her father is a sexual predator, which he is, you've been following the news, he's been accused by at least 10 women of being sexually inappropriate with them. Now, when you have 10 women coming forward and making a point out of uh, the way you've treated them, and this becomes news that you have been inappropriate with 10 different women, I think the word predator might be the label that you should own. And that's what I said. When your father is a sexual predator, it's no surprise that this woman, his daughter, is a confused mess. So in the rest of the show, I'm going to tell you what demisexual is. We're going to talk about the definition of that, the accurate definition of demisexuality, as well as the accurate definition of love. If we don't get the definition of our words correct, then everything thereafter is going to be wrong. He who defines the terms wins the debate. And if you don't define the words, the terms accurately, you will never be successful in the market square of ideas. That's today's show. Let's take a break, acknowledge our sponsors, and when I get back, again, the topic will be Andrew Cuomo's daughter coming out and saying that she's a demisexual, D-E-M-I, sexual, demisexual, what that means, and how some conservatives have been responding to these issues. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and we will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. I want to say one thing about today's show before we proceed with uh, the definition of demisexuality, the definition of love, 
and how some conservatives like even Megyn Kelly have responded to these types of stories. Uh, one critique that I will get, and maybe I even get it to those, or get this critique from some of those of you who are listening right now. Why are you so fixated on this topic? Why are you disproportionately talking about sex and sexuality in your commentary? My response, I'm not the one fixated on it. Our culture is. Oh, I could ignore it and I could walk away and I could try to focus on something else that's going on around us, but I'm not the one who's making this an issue all the time. I'm not the one who posted a song like the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus did, where they're openly saying that they're going to convert your children. I didn't post that. I didn't make that an issue. They did. They're the ones who opened up the bedroom door and forced everyone else to stand there and applaud what they're doing. I'm not the one who said, this is my identity because of the things I like to do sexually. They made it a topic. I didn't. I'm not the one who is saying I'm coming after five-year-olds in our public schools by making critical race theory and its assumptions of sexuality, which are explicit in its mission statement to dismantle the heterosexual patriarchy of our culture. I'm not the one who put that in the mission statement of Black Lives Matter who embraces critical race theory. I'm not the one who talks about cisgender heterosexuality all the time. They are. So I could respond to these people and try to tell you why it's wrong and why, why this will be dangerous to our culture if we go down this path, or I could ignore it and act like nothing is happening. I could put my head in the sand like an ostrich, but my butt is still exposed and it's going to get shot. Ignoring these things is not going to do us any good. And if you question that particular position, then look where we've gone in just the last couple years. Five minutes ago in the course of human history, we weren't talking about all this stuff all the time. Why? Because the progressives hadn't come out, quote-unquote, and made it the central feature of their daily commentary, their worldview, and even the central feature of human identity. So why am I talking about it disproportionately? Because they are, and I'm responding to it. Make sense? Hopefully that does. Let's go back to the story of Andrew Cuomo's daughter. Her name is Michaela Kennedy Cuomo. She's, a, she's the daughter of Democratic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, whom I assume all of you know, a terrible governor, by the way. Uh, frankly, a terrible human being. The way he teach, treats women, again, 10 of them at least are coming forward and saying he treated me very poorly, expected me to engage with him sexually. The man's married, number one. The man is a leader, number two. The man supposedly stands for Me Too and all things feminine and feministic. Therefore, he should be treating women with the highest degree 
of dignity, not using them as sexual objects to fulfill his every whim and fantasy and pleasure, which these women are saying he does. Okay, so a man like this who has a daughter that comes out sexually confused is no surprise in my book. All right, so what is a demisexual? A demisexual, if you look it up, is somebody who doesn't have sex with anyone unless she's emotionally attracted or he is most emotionally attracted to them. And you may say, hmm, well, that's interesting. I, I, I thought that's the way it was supposed to work. Well, in our culture today, apparently your attraction to, your emotional attraction to someone is not a predicate for sexual involvement. I guess we've dumbed down the definition of the human being to nothing but a dog rather than the Imago Dei, the image of God. We're now the Imago Dog. And animals don't have to have emotional attachment with anything to engage sexually with it. They rut about and they don't care emotionally for the thing that they're having sex with. I hate to be so graphic, but your dog doesn't have an emotional attachment to your leg when he mounts it. Sorry for the graphic illustration there. But stop and think about it. That's exactly what we've done to our identity. If you want to have sex, have sex. doesn't matter with who, how many, where, when, how. And they're even making an argument now of trans species sexual identity. Interesting, isn't it? All right. So demisexuality kind of confronts that. It confronts that and it says, well, I'm not going to have sex with anything and anyone. Uh, if I'm not emotionally attracted to them, I don't have any desire to have sex with them. So emotional attraction is the precursor to my identity. Therefore, I'm a demisexual. All right. So what's the point here? The point is, I actually received a couple comments after suggesting that it's no wonder why this girl is a confused mess. She's now defining herself as a demisexual. I received a comment from one man who is a scholar, a fellow at a very conservative think tank called the Oklahoma Council for Public Affairs, OCPA. I've spoken there multiple times. I'm a friend of theirs, and they're a friend of mine. I'm not going to say this man's name on air, but it's stunning that somebody of this intellectual caliber working for a conservative think tank like the Oklahoma version of the Heritage Foundation, the OCPA, the Oklahoma Council for Public Affairs, came out and said this in social media to me. He said, Dr. Piper, did you read the article? Demisexual just means she doesn't sleep with people she doesn't have a relationship with. In other words, she doesn't sleep around. Far from a confused mess. Close quote. Now, I'll read that to you again. Demisexual just means she doesn't sleep with people she doesn't have a relationship with. In other words, she doesn't sleep around. Far from a confused mess. Well, I responded to this man that works for the Oklahoma Council for Public Affairs. And I said this, well, actually, yes, I did read the article. I read it quite thoroughly, thank, thank you. I did read the article. I read it quite thoroughly, thank you. And then I went on and I said this, contrary to your claim, demisexual means she sleeps around with anyone and anything that she's emotionally attracted to. If conservatives can't agree that this is a confused mess, then conservatives are a confused mess at best. Now, do you get my point? 
that exchange, he's saying that demisexual means that she has a relationship with the person, male or female, or singular or plural, as long as she has a relationship, then she sleeps with them, to use his language. But by his definition, that's not sleeping around, and it's far from a confused mess. And this is a conservative friend, somebody who's in the same tent with me and you. And again, I want you to understand my response. Yes, I read the article, and I read it quite thoroughly, but contrary to what you're saying, demisexual means she sleeps with anyone and anything that she's emotionally attracted to, that she has a relationship with. And if conservatives can't agree, again, I'm telling you and my friend at the OCPA, if conservatives can't agree that this is a confused mess, then conservatives are confused at best. This is the point that we've come to, people, where conservatives have bought this lie. We've bought this lie of what it means to be a human being. And we're allowing sexuality, our sexual proclivities, our sexual temptations, our sexual likes or dislikes, habits and desires to define what it means to be human. And we're going to lose every argument thereafter if we buy this. Recently on a show, I was listening to Megan Kelly's podcast. I was listening to her recently on her show. And she had a guest on there who suggested that sexual behavior is a moral construct. It's, it's a moral thing. And there's, there are things you can do sexually that are sin. That's his language on her show. He's a sports commentator. And he said that he himself had engaged in a lot of sexual behaviors. He, he was very involved sexually throughout the course of his life but that he had come to the conclusion that that was wrong and he was returning to his biblical foundations under which his mother raised him and that he wasn't completely successful yet, that, but that he was trying to work himself into being a more moral man, a man of integrity, a man who wasn't sleeping around, to use that language again, with everybody that he came in contact with because it was sin. And he said that that behavior was no greater or no less of a sin than homosexual behavior. And that both behaviors are wrong and sinful. His language. Well, Megyn Kelly responded to him. And she kind of agreed with him, or at least she acted like she agreed with him, that his constant quest for women was sinful. But she disagreed with him categorizing homosexual behavior as sinful. She disagreed with that. And the man responded and said, well, there are different uh, views on that. And he said, I have the view that both are sinful. Biblically, they're sinful. Morally, they're wrong. And that we should control ourselves rather than allowing ourselves to be defined by our libido. And he said, there's a slippery slope here. If heterosexual philandering is sinful, then homosexual behavior is sinful. And therefore, it's going to lead to other behaviors. And he said it's going to continue down the slippery slope. For example, 
we're going to continue to justify these behaviors and allow them to define ourselves. And pedophilia is next, was his point. She jumped on him and she said, oh, no, no, that's a sickness. Pedophilia is a sickness. And we can't go there. And she was very dismissive and she actually was laughing. That's a sickness. That's not like homosexuality. Here's my point in telling this story. Why? Why? Who says that this won't happen? Who decided that that's a sickness and not just a moral decision? And if it's a moral decision and we continue to move the mark morally, okay, if heterosexual promiscuity is not sinful, then that leads to, well, if your behavior can be so promiscuous, and that's okay, and that's just recreational, and that defines you, then why can't homosexual behavior, promiscuous or not, likewise define us and be amoral rather than moral in nature? And if those two things happen, what's next? Well, polygamy is next. We're already getting arguments for that, that thruples are okay, just not two people, three people, however many people, Four, five, six, it doesn't matter anymore because as long as it's consensual, that's okay. So if consent becomes the measure of morality, then anytime you can find someone or something to consent to your desires, then your sexual behavior with them or that is now moral if consent is the measure of morality. You get my point here? Megan Kelly is wrong because... Who's going to decide what pedophilia is? Is it consent at the age of 16? Well, why not move the mark to 15? And you know it's going to happen. It will happen. In fact, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did argue, and Megyn Kelly should know this and probably does know this, because Megyn Kelly is very bright and she is a lawyer. She knows that Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued to decrease the age of consent, perhaps even down to 12. So, 16, 15, 14, 13, maybe 12. Maybe that's the age of consent. And now, now, because consent is the measure of morality, what's described as pedophilia today, sex with minors, will become moral tomorrow. It won't be a sickness. And by the way, who decided that homosexuality was a sickness in the first place. Well, it was the psychological establishment. It was in the DSM-3 when I was in college studying psychology, because I have a degree in it, that the Diagnostic Statistic Manual defined homosexuality as a mental disorder. Well, who decided that it isn't today? Well, they just moved it. There's no medical reason to move it. There's no discovery of a gay gene. That's just not so. So they moved it politically. They moved it morally. They moved it subjectively. Now, I'm not saying it's a sickness, but I am saying it's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because I'm a Christian and I believe in an objective moral standard to define these things. Anyway, I want to get into this real quick before we conclude the show. I had a guy on social media who was watching this exchange, and he jumped in and he said, Sorry, Dr. Piper, this is what... W, excuse me, WebMD. I was going to say WMD, Weapons of Mass Destruction. I don't know if that's a Freudian slip or what. I uh, Anyway, it's WebMD, W-E-B-M-D. 
says about demisexuality. It says that it's people who only feel sexually attracted to someone or have an emotional bond with that person. They can be gay or straight, bisexual or pansexual, and they and may have any gender identity. So he's saying, Piper, you're wrong. You're wrong. You don't understand what demisexuality, because the medical website, WebMD, says demisexual people only feel sexually attracted to someone when they have an emotional bond with that person. <laughs> well, I'm not too sure why Joe is telling me I'm wrong. The article that he's pointing out in w- w- or WebMD confirms pretty much what I've said. If she's emotionally attracted to anyone, again, WebMD, she can and will have sex with them. Period. Again, it's exactly what I just said. Now, Joe went on and suggested that I needed to shut up, basically. He didn't use that language, but he said, you don't have a medical degree. Your doctorate is not in medicine. You don't understand this discussion. Well, I had to point out to him with regard to that contention that demisexuality is a medical condition that requires a medical degree to understand it, well, that's not so. It's a psychological condition. It's not a medical condition. There's not anything biological or genetic about demisexuality or homosexuality or heterosexuality. Again, In the beginning, we were created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them, us. There are only two distinctions in the Bible with regard to humanity and our definition. Male and female, that's it. If you go back to Webster's Dictionary in the mid-1800s, in fact, I actually looked at one with a friend of mine who brought it to my attention. He actually has one of these. I believe his edition of Webster's Dictionary is 1828. I think that's the date of this particular edition of Webster's Dictionary. Remember I told you that the word homosexuality was a 19th century categorical error, a construct, a word that was made up and added to our lexicon As late as the late 1800s, early 1900s, remember I told you that once and that this is made up. It isn't in the Bible. It isn't even in our dictionaries prior to the turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s. And why was it made up? So that we could start defining people as homosexuals rather than just saying you're male and female. In his image, he created you, male and female, and you need to behave accordingly. And here are the ways for you to behave so you don't get physically sick and you don't corrupt your soul and corrupt your children and your community. That's the point of biblical sexuality. Pretty simple, quite really, or quite frankly. So you go back to that dictionary, that Webster's Dictionary in the mid-1800s. Guess what? The word homosexual isn't there. It isn't in the dictionary. Go get one of those dictionaries and look, it isn't there. And you know what else? The other word that isn't there? Heterosexual. So basically, Gore Vidal was right. There's no such thing as a homosexual person or a heterosexual person. These are behavioral adjectives. Gore Vidal was right when he said that back in the 1960s. He knew that it was a made-up term. He knew there was no such thing as a heterosexual person or homosexual person. You're a person, period. And these other things like demisexuality, pansexuality, gay, straight, bisexual, 
heterosexual, homosexual. These are behavioral adjectives that have been made up to confuse the conversation. Joe doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And he thinks just because the website, WebMD, says that this is what he described it as, that you, he thinks you have to have a medical degree, I guess, to click on WebMD. And by the way, I don't think Joe's a medical doctor either. Now, the ensuing conversation between Joe is really fascinating. Uh, he talks to me about uh, Greek mythology. He talks to me about how Odysseus and Penelope um, were monogamous and waited for each other while Odysseus was off in the Trojan War. Well, that's a nice story, and that's fine. I'm glad Penelope waited for him, and I'm glad he waited for her. But that doesn't that, that speaks to the biblical ideal of faithfulness and fidelity, of sex only between a married couple. It doesn't speak to demisexuality, which Joe is using to defend this. And he's suggesting that demisexuality is actually a beautiful thing because you only get engaged sexually with people that you're emotionally attached to. He actually goes in and starts trying to tie this into Jacob and Rebecca. Um, he ties it into the biblical ethic of love. Joe doesn't understand. Very quickly, the biblical ethic of love can be defined in three words. Is it agape, is it phileo, or is it eros? Phileo is friendship. Agape is deep commitment. And eros is sexual attraction. In the Bible, love is defined these three different ways. And to suggest that demisexuality, because you're attracted, is, and you have an emotional attachment with someone, is agape love, is bizarre. Joe is completely off his rocker. Because that would start opening the door for you to engage sexually with anybody that you're attracted to. And I've got news for you. There are some people that you have an emotional attachment to that you shouldn't have sex with. Period. This opens the door for incest. And phileo is friendship. And just because you have friendship with somebody doesn't mean you should have sex with them. That's why the Bible defines it three different ways. Agape, phileo, and eros, eroticism. Confusing those is going to result in moving the moral mark. And guess who gets hurt when we move the moral mark? Women get hurt first. Look at the nature of our culture. We've created a culture of women being nothing but objects of sports. They're on the cover of Sports Illustrated in their swimsuit edition. And then we start moving the mark in terms of age. And we start sexualizing children by giving condoms out when they're in fifth grade. Ten-year-olds! And we start teaching them about the rainbow lexicon, even in kindergarten. Why do I keep talking about this alphabet soup of sexual libertinism? Why do I confront people when they want to tell me that I'm wrong? Because getting this wrong will result in us losing our culture and losing our kids. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left.